welcome to How to Live, a podcast that explores ways to live a good life. I'm your host, Sharad Lal. This is episode 11. How do we know what we want in life? We may have surface-level goals, car we want to drive, lifestyle that we want, wealth we want to accumulate. But deep down, do we really know what we want? If we do harbor a dream, we're not sure how this will integrate into our life. We're torn between difficult choices, career or family, passion or security, success or fulfillment. Without knowing what we truly want, how can we create the ideal life for ourselves? In today's episode, we look at why is it difficult to know what we want and how can we go about figuring this out. This episode has been co-written with my wife, Sarah Lal. As a coach, she specializes in helping people achieve their dreams and goals. Let's start by meeting Nick. Nick is single and has been working in Singapore for five years now. He's very excited today. He's finally figured out what he wants. He wants to be a musician. He cannot wait to give up that boring job and embark on this new, exciting journey. As he always does, he shares his excitement with everyone and solicits opinions. First with his sister. His sister is encouraging but reminds him about risks and future earnings. He talks to his first boss, his mentor, his role model in life. His boss doesn't approve of Nick wasting all the effort that he's put in to reach this far in life. He talks to close friends back home. They're honest with him. Tell him he's being selfish. How will he be able to provide for his aging parents? When he talks to his parents, they don't mince words. They tell him this is a ridiculous idea. What about marriage? How can he get married without a steady income? He's their only son. How can he do this to them? Bam! That was it. Nick could not take it anymore. He drops his dream and goes back to his work. Now let's meet Anna. Anna is in a different life stage, married with an infant. As she gets back to work after maternity, she doesn't find it exciting anymore. She's recently clarified her true passion in life, fashion. Anna loves everything about it and wants to spend the rest of her life in it. She wants to leave her mundane job and start her own fashion label. She can see it very clearly. That's what she's meant to do. However, she's a major contributor to the family income. And the timing doesn't seem right. She's just had a baby. This will put extra pressure on her husband to earn more and spend more time with the baby while she works hard on a new business. The pull between family and a career gives her feelings of guilt and stress. But she feels the urgency. She doesn't want to delay anymore now that she's got the clarity and momentum. Her role model and spiritual guide talks about focusing on possibilities and not constraints. Finding one's passion and living it. She's found her passion. Very few people have that. She needs to follow it and life can work around it. She's so inspired that she's found a name for a fashion label, created a logo and even done up a simple business plan. She quickly quits her job, takes up a loan and sets up the company. Now we've got Nick on one hand who's given up on his dream for practical reasons, while Anna on the other who's prioritizing her dream above everything else with a sense of urgency. What's the right approach? Well, five years later, both are unhappy. Nick is married now, working in the same job, going through the motions, unmotivated. He is resentful, bitter at giving up on his dream. Anna, on the other hand, has quit fashion and moved to photography. She found out that creating a fashion label wasn't what she thought it would be. Life isn't turning out the way she expected. She's struggling both financially and in her relationship with her young family. While these are extreme examples, most of us are somewhere in between. Some of us are more like Anna, while others are more like Nick. Now let's take a step back and understand why is it difficult to know what we want. Here are three big reasons. The first is surface-level inspiration. 
We look at external sources for inspiration without knowing what's going deep inside. From a distance, we only see what's visible, what's attractive. And even though most of us know the aspirational lifestyle imagery shown in magazines, movies, advertising, or even friends on social media, is not an accurate depiction of reality. These mesmerizing images capture us, enchant us. Since childhood, we've been drawn to shiny objects. We consciously or subconsciously create life goals in line with this. The perfect spouse, the perfect house, the perfect children, job, etc. And when we do achieve this, while on the surface life might look good, in reality we might be struggling. This is not what we truly want. The second is competing with peers, one-upmanship. As a species, we've been competing for millions of years. This is hardwired into us. We compete on parameters that we can clearly see and measure. We size up people on number of houses, level in career, income, relationship status, fan following, etc. In this mindset, what we compete on doesn't matter. Instead, what matters is doing better than others, being one up. We are blinded by the rat race. By winning, we get respect from our peers, from society. We are held up as role models. But the final prize isn't what we really want. That's what Maya from episode 2, when we talked about achievement versus fulfillment, found out. The third is cultural and societal expectations. From a young age, we have pressures to be a certain way, based on the community or country or environment and gender we are from. Some cultures are very individualistic. They applaud us for being unique and authentic. They encourage us to find our passion and live our dreams. If we are not doing something grand, we are looked down upon for playing low, being mediocre. Other cultures promote community, harmony, flexibility. We are commended for being adjusting, amicable and easygoing. Thinking about oneself is considered selfish. We are constantly reminded of our responsibilities, our duties. At the extreme of an individualistic culture, as Anna found out, we get consumed by surface-level desires and keep shifting from one to the other. In the end, we are isolated from our loved ones. At the extreme of a collective culture, as Nick found out, we marginalize ourselves. We become resentful of our community and obligations. In both cases, we end up unhappy. So then how do we find out what we truly want? There are two steps to this, discovery and planning. The first step, discovery, is an internal process. It's about blocking all the external noise, the surface-level imagery, peer pressure, societal pressure that we spoke about, and then going deep within ourselves to find out what we truly want deep inside. Most of us know what we want deep down. It's about accessing it and reconnecting with that. In scientific terms, this is about moving from the conscious to the subconscious state. This is where we can access our inner wisdom, intuition, and find out what we want. There are many ways to do this. Here are four of them. The first is meditation, and many of us know this. Through meditation, some folks reach the state where the mental chatter disappears. The multiple voices become one clear voice. This inner wisdom describes our innermost heartfelt desire. At that point, it becomes absolutely clear what we need to do. The second is mindful exercising. Activities like yoga, running or any form of exercise. The trick is to turn our attention inwards and be present with our body. We can observe how our muscles are opening up, tension is melting, blood is circulating, happy hormones are being secreted and so on. In this state, all external noise is cancelled and we are focused inwards. Here again, we can access deep intuitions. The third, which is applicable to everyone, anyone can do this, is me time, without distractions. 
This could be a day off by ourselves, sitting by the pool, going to the spa, or a short solo holiday. The key condition to make this work is not to have any stimuli. Yes, no phone, no music, no books. Without this, one does get bored. But boredom is the starting point to going deeper. Best-selling author Cal Newport puts embracing boredom as one of the key rules for deep work. As we go deeper, we could either sit with boredom and see where our mind takes us, or consciously check in with ourselves and reflect on how we are feeling, what's giving us joy, what's bogging us down, what do we want in life. Connecting with ourselves regularly without any external stimuli will create the conditions to discover deep insights. The fourth is using tools to access the subconscious with the help of experts. Here are a few examples: mood board and vision boards. These entail putting together imagery to reflect on our future. Since this is a non-intellectual process, we need to go deep and access our gut and intuition for these images, authentic to us. Powerful questions is another technique, asking ourselves open-ended questions that force us to go deep to find answers. For example, what is it to have a full, rich life? For other powerful questions, please refer to the show notes. Another good tool is values. Our values are deeply embedded principles that guide us in life. By discovering our values, we get a sense of who we are and what we want to do in life. For more details on value and how to discover them, you can check out episode two. So here are four ways to discover what we, as an individual, truly want: meditation, mindful exercising, me time, and tools that can access the subconscious. For this phase, it's important to note that going inwards is like building a muscle. We cannot do this once and expect big results. Instead, we need to regularly keep doing this to train ourselves to uncover intuitions. Depending on the activity, this could be weekly, monthly, or quarterly. These tools aren't just new age spirituality or, or the newest fad. We know that 95% of our mind is the subconscious. We also know that our inner wisdom and intuition lies in the subconscious mind. Research shows that mindfulness, meditation, and other tools that we discussed change the brain waves in us to enable us to connect and access our subconscious mind. Now, once we've done the discovery phase and we've discovered our dream, the next step is planning. How do we integrate our dream holistically and sensibly into our lives? How do we move forward with confidence, clarity, and resilience? Here are five considerations in making a plan. The first is think holistically. Assess where we are in life. If we are single, what are our values? How can they be honored in our new life? If we are a family, how can we work together as a family to bring this dream to life? Who all are dependent on us? What are our constraints? Maybe loans, money, locations, etc. The second consideration is research. We should deep dive to gather all the relevant facts on what we plan to do. By getting this intel, we get a clearer sense of reality. How will our days look like? What will it take to succeed? How much money can we expect to make? What time frame does it normally take? And so on. These two important considerations of thinking holistically and doing the research on what we're going to take on is something Anna missed out on. So that's a lesson for us. The next consideration is brainstorming. With the above context, we can use our intellect to brainstorm and create a plan towards our dream. We can brainstorm with ourselves using tools like pros and cons, risk assessments, etc. But it's really important to brainstorm with others as well. This will help us uncover our blind spots, access expertise, and get varied perspectives. 
For this, a very good practice is to create our own personal board of advisors. These need not be people close to us. In fact, they should not be people close to us because they're not best placed to advise us. We should look for folks who've achieved what we want to do, have qualities that we admire and similar values. With these folks, we should solicit objective, unbiased feedback. This is where Nick went wrong. He did talk to many people, but he let them influence him completely. As we share our deep innermost dream in the open, we become very vulnerable. So the next consideration is protecting ourselves. People often diminish our dreams because of their own baggage or their fears, their differences in values. Or sometimes due to jealousy, they don't want us to go where they couldn't. This can come in all forms, criticism, backhanded compliments, diminishing comparisons, and so on. That's why it becomes very critical to protect ourselves. A very useful tool here is the concept of inner citadel from the Stoicism philosophy. This is a metaphorical citadel we build around our dreams. So attacks can't enter and derail us. Only constructive feedback is allowed in while the rest is deflected. For more information on the inner citadel, you can check out episode 6 on Stoicism where we discuss this in more detail. Attacks don't only come from others. We can often self-sabotage. In coaching, we call this part of ourselves the saboteur. It's the part inside us that sabotages our dreams, our inner critic that keeps telling us to quit. We need to protect ourselves from ourselves as well. We can do so by boosting our confidence, using tools like positive affirmations, having a very powerful statement about ourselves that we keep repeating every day. It's like a pep talk we give ourselves. There is one last consideration we need to do before closing off the planning stage. That's the fifth consideration, taking the first step. This is such a difficult thing to do. Many of us get caught up in analysis paralysis even if we are not 100% sure, we have to take the first step and get going. This doesn't need and should not be like a big step where you just quit your job or you divorce or, or do something radical. Instead, it's a small step which shows your intention. Paying for a course that is part of the plan. Launching a website. Or even making a kick-ass resume. Award-winning author James Clear says about habits, the first step, waking up in the morning, getting to the gym, Getting to the mat, that's the most difficult one. Once you do that, the rest can flow. So once again, here are the five considerations for the planning phase. Think holistically, do extensive research, brainstorm with your personal board of advisors, protect your dream, and take the first step. In summary, through these two steps, discovery and planning, we can figure out what we want in life. In discovery, we focus inwards, cancel out all the external noise and access our authentic wisdom and intuition. In planning, we align our dream holistically and take the first step towards the path. With this done, it's time to execute. Execution by itself is a huge topic. We can cover it in a separate episode. If any of this resonated with you, here are some action steps to consider. Can you create a self-connection day every quarter? What would it look like for you? Can you commit to doing it for a year at least and see what it does to you? Another exercise could be to reflect on where you lie on the scale of individuality versus community. Are you closer to Anna or Nick? How has this impacted you in life both positively and negatively? And what would you like to do differently going forward? This episode has many other tools you can try. Mindful exercising. 
figuring out your board of advisors who advise you in important points in your life. Self-pep talk. That's something I'm excited about creating for myself. Or maybe taking the first step on a dream that you've put away for way too long. If you are on the journey to figure out your dreams and to understand how you can bring it to reality, you can hit us up by clicking the contact button on howtolive.life. That's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please do consider subscribing if you like this show. All show notes are available on howtolive.life. Wish all of you a wonderful day ahead. Bye-bye.